Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined on the show by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we take a look at the Africans playing in the Saudi Pro League as the big money league continues to attract interest, with Ida highlighting stars from the continent who have played there over the years. We have more on the FIFA Women's World Cup, the final on this Sunday. And with the English Premier League back, Stuart assesses the opening weekend. We also talk about Harry Kane's move to Bayern Munich. So with the FIFA Women's World Cup ending this Sunday, the football will just keep on coming. Uh, besides the European leagues now up and running, on the continent we have the CAF Champions League and the Confederation Cup kicking off this weekend with preliminary round ties. Uh, the CAF Women's Champions League qualifiers are underway too with regional qualifiers around the continent and Mali's AS Mande were the first to book their ticket to the Women's Champions League finals in Ivory Coast in November. Uh, they won the Wafu Zone A qualifiers played in Liberia. Well, we've been talking about the Saudi Pro League lots over the past few weeks on the show, and the stories just keep on coming from there. One of this week's biggest football stories is Brazil forward Neymar joining Saudi Pro League side Al Hilal from the French champions Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, the deal for the former Barcelona player is understood to be worth about $98 million plus add-ons. And Neymar, who joined Paris Saint-Germain for a world record fee of $220 million in 2017, was not part of coach Louis Enrique's plans for the new season. He'll be paid an incredible $164 million a year in Saudi Arabia. And that's six times the amount he earned at PSG. Well, there have been some big African signings too, of course, in the Saudi Pro League. But before we get to that, uh, there's already been a strong and notable African presence uh, over the years in the Saudi League, Ida. Right, Steve. I mean, for Cristiano to join Al Nasser, for example, it meant that Cameroon's Vincent Abubakar had to leave the club to make space. And he is definitely one of the last Afghans, most prolific, definitely most standout players, you know. So there has been that African presence and actually quite a bit of it in the Saudi League. You see, the Saudi League, Steve, started in 1975 as a competition, but it only turned pro in 2008. That's 15 years. But in those 15 years... Close to 400 African footballers representing 40 countries in the continent have played in the league. That's substantial. It has been the go-to for footballers who perhaps fail to get away into Europe. And, you know, you do get the sense that it just really needed a bigger-than-life Cristiano sort of figure, you know, to completely turn things around. And that's actually what Neymar said, you know, on his move that, look, everyone thought that Cristiano was crazy to do it. But look at how many players now that he's managed to pull over to that side since. I mean, we're talking Ballon d'Or winners. We're talking World Cup winners, Afghan winners. They're all there. 
The league, if you ask me, definitely got a bit of a spotlight after Audio Nigalu moved there as well. I mean, nothing on the current level, of course, but I do believe that many also got to know about it then because the Nigerian came from Man United, you know, so that was quite a notable move. If you remember, lots of eyes were on him. And he recently extended his stay there. So he is going to be in the Saudi League for at least another two years. And when he got there, he found fellow Nigerian Ahmed Musa in Saudi then. You know, he did two years at Al Nasser as well. And Steve, this might be arguable, but it is safe to say that these are players in the latter parts of their careers. So in that way, as we have said before, you know, the Saudi League still, you know, hasn't really been able to shed that tag off where players go to play their last days or, you know, for the more cynical people where careers go to die, you know. I mean, you look at Moroccan international Abderazak Hamdala, for example. Yes, he was part of the record-setting World Cup team, but you would think that he'd be a more crucial cog in the national team, considering how prolific he is in the Saudi League. I mean, he has finished as top scorer several times. In its entire history, the league has had 14 times that Africans have been top scorers, but it all started with Senegalese striker Moussa Ndao. Before Hamdala, before Igalo, it was Ndao. In 1994, he became the first African to win the proverbial golden boot, if you will. And some of the more high-profile African players over the years have been the late Christian Atsu, another Ghanaian, Suli Montari, Egypt's four-time African winning goalkeeper, Esam El-Hadari, Mohamed Barakat, who is a former BBC African Footballer of the Year and Guinean legend Pascal Fenduno. Steve, last season had 41 Africans representing 18 different countries in the Saudi League. Looking at this season, the only thing missing will be an African coach. Yes, and we came quite close to having one, actually, because Epizzo Marsimani, the South African who coached the South African national team, also Mamelodi Sundowns uh, to the Champions League title and Al-Akhli of Egypt as well. Uh, he was coaching uh, second-tier side Al-Akhli Jeddah and guided them to promotion, but uh, quit uh, in June, uh, claiming he and his technical staff hadn't been paid since the start of the year. And Epizzo went on to join Abu Dhabi side Al-Wada, along with his technical team. So uh, maybe that will happen in the uh, coming years, an African coach in the Saudi Pro League. Uh, but just to take us through the main African signings ahead of the new season, Ida. Well, how about we start with Senegal's top three players? August started really well for Al Nasser. They got Sadio Mane, you know, and who would ever have thought, Steve, that we'd see Mane and Cristiano on the same team. It shows you, you know, goes to show just how much football has changed. Al Nasser got money for $30 million from Bayern Munich. He had had quite the underwhelming season there and he did fall out of favor in the end after that Sané incident. Khalidou Koulibaly, well, this was back in June and he signed to Al Hilal for $21 million from Chelsea. 
And Chelsea pretty much decided to cut on their losses, Steve. It had also been an underwhelming season for Koulibaly, and he went to the Middle East on a three-year deal. Three days after Koulibaly's signing for Al-Hilal, well, it must have served as some form of inspiration, motivation. I'm sure that these guys were also talking. And Edward Mendy signed for Al-Ali, you know, the Senegalese national goalkeeper. He signed for Al-Ali also for $21 million, also on a three-year deal. So looking at other players outside of the Senegalese national team, Riyad Mahrez, uh, he spent five years with Pep Guardiola at Manchester City and he signed for Al-Ali. They got him for $39 million and he also got signed for a three-year contract in the Saudi League. Separately, Steve, Talks did stall for Hakim Ziyech to join Al Nasser as he pivoted to Galatasaray where he has had medicals. And as of the last one month, Cristiano Ronaldo's club, Al Nasser, well, they were banned from registering any new players by FIFA until they settle a debt with Leicester City. Now, Al Nasser can't still sign new players, as we're seeing, but they can't register them to play until outstanding debts are paid off by the club. Well, fascinating insights there. Thanks very much, Ida. Next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport to the FIFA Women's World Cup, ending this Sunday with England playing Spain in what should be a very exciting and all-European final. Uh, The African interest ended in the round of 16 with uh, South Africa, Nigeria and Morocco all getting into the knockout stage at Africa's best-ever Women's World Cup but unable to go any further. So it's been a fantastic tournament. I really have been enjoying it. Uh, So England, Spain in the final. England having knocked out the co-hosts Australia in the semi-finals. Spain beating Sweden in a dramatic game 2-1 with all the goals coming in the last 10 minutes. Well, England will have their star player Lauren James back for the game after a two-match suspension. And on our website, we've got a new blog there. It's called Being Human and Making Mistakes and Receiving Forgiveness. Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Yes, Steve, we all have different ways of learning in life. But as human beings who are inevitably imperfect, we generally learn by making mistakes. We do something wrong, endure the consequences, and hopefully learn from the experience so we do better next time. When England women's star striker Lauren James deliberately stepped on the back of her Nigerian opponent Michelle Alozi in the round of 16 clash, she committed a foul that would see her receive a red card and a two-match ban in the tournament. It was a moment of madness from a player who has been one of England's standout performers in the competition and arguably the squad's most talented footballer. Manager Sarina Wichman said she apologized and felt really bad. She would never want to hurt someone. She's the sweetest person I know. An England team statement added that she was full of remorse and that it was wholly out of character. There was grace from her opponent, Alozi, who posted on social media, 
We are playing on the world stage. This game is one of passion, insurmountable emotions and moments. All respect for Lauren James. James herself said to Alozi, All my love and respect to you. I am sorry for what happened. Also for our England fans and my teammates, playing with and for you is my greatest honor. And I promise to learn from my experience. We are flawed people and we will mess up sometimes. While the players' rush of blood to the head could have cost her team their chance to win the tournament, England pulled through to the final. But it's an episode in a major tournament she is unlikely to forget in a hurry. England scraped through the Nigeria tie in the end on penalties and have made it through to Sunday's final with James on the sidelines serving her ban. The Bible describes getting things wrong and falling short of God's standards as sin. We are flawed people and we will mess up sometimes. The good news is that we can receive grace, mercy and forgiveness from God himself because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross, taking the sin of the world upon his shoulders and breaking its power over us. As John's first letter in the New Testament states, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Lauren James has had some forgiveness from those around her. Maybe her moment of redemption on the pitch is yet to come in Sunday's final. Well, that's Ephraim Tagu there. You can read that blog on our website. It's called Being Human, Making Mistakes and Receiving Forgiveness. Uh, that's on our website, planetsport.tv, and then you click on the blog section. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart, on the opening weekend uh, of the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter, or X, I should say now, at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, lots on the English Premier League coming up. Just briefly, let's go to social media. Last week we asked, are you in favour of more stoppage time? So this season in the Premier League, there's what's being referred to as World Cup stoppage time, where referees are giving additional time matching the delays in the game, as in the World Cup in Qatar and at the ongoing Women's World Cup. So this is giving uh, maybe around as much as 10 minutes at the end of the game and uh, even more on some occasions. And some players have said it'll make the season even more exhausting for them. So we asked, are you in favour? And uh, almost everybody said yes. Well, in Sierra Leone, uh, Mamadou Kalfala says uh, it's a good move. Uh, in Liberia, Trends K. Calvin Walter says, I think it's very good for our players because uh, uh, that extra time at the end of the match will give uh, players time to regain their energy and to become more creative, says Walter. Uh, we heard from Congo Republic and Akam's Simba Eli says, uh, even if uh, clubs get a lot of additional time, it won't make a difference. 
Although, having said that, Arsenal won the Community Shield two weeks ago on penalties after they equalised against Manchester City in the 101st minute of the game. And Belong Badgie in the Gambia also thinks it won't make much difference, saying uh, opportunities lost during the 90 minutes of the game cannot be fully recovered with even 15 minutes or so of additional time. But at least it will give hope to the teams, uh, says Belong. So thanks very much for all of those comments. So from a fan's point of view, looks as though uh, we are happy with uh, the longer stoppage time because it's a more playing time uh, for us to enjoy. Uh, thanks to everybody who got in touch. Uh, let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, now here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Uh, so an eventful match day one in the English Premier League, Stuart. It's back, Steve. The first weekend is behind us. And in some ways it was quite predictable because Manchester City and Arsenal, the top two, both won. But both suffered significant bad luck, you might say. Uh, Arsenal, having already lost uh, Gabriel Jesus, uh, saw their new signing, Urien Timber, suffer a serious knee injury on his debut and could be out for months. And similarly, Kevin De Bruyne is injured now and could be out for several months, they say. Manchester United beat Wolves, they had a lot of possession, but it was up the 75th minute before they managed a shot on target. United were also fortunate not to concede a penalty when their new Cameroonian goalkeeper Onana came for a cross, seemed to miss it, and took out the Wolves striker. And the reaction was extraordinary because the Referees Association apologised to Wolves afterwards uh, for the poor decision. United were without their new $90 million striker Rasmus Hoyland, who got injured in pre-season with his previous club Atalanta in Italy. I said last week the big game in paper would be Chelsea-Liverpool and it ended 1-1. A frenetic first half showing the Premier League at its best and worst. Liverpool scored two early goals, only for VAR to rule out the second. Then Chelsea put the ball in the net twice in two minutes, and again the second one ruled out for offside. I think the outcome probably satisfied neither teams, and Chelsea, under Mauricio Pochettino's first league game, had six players making their first appearance for the club. Now, the bottom of the table already has an ominous look for the three promoted clubs, Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley, all losing. Luton fans held up a banner saying the greatest fairy tale in football history, but not all fairy tales have a happy ending. The Sheffield United players who celebrated promotion at the end of the season, well, only six of them were in the starting lineup. It's hard fact, really, Steve, but players who get a club promoted into the Premier League are often deemed not to be good enough to keep them there. And we got to mention James Milner, who played for Brighton 21 years after his league debut for Leeds United. And over those 21 years, he's played 600 Premier League games for Leeds, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Manchester City and Liverpool. A remarkable achievement. Then the three relegated clubs have had mixed starts in the Championship. Leicester City winning both their games, Leeds picking up just one point, and Southampton have had a win and a draw. And Southampton drew 4-4 with Norwich, Steve. Eight goals scored. That means there would have been six minutes of added time for goal celebrations. And in fact, on that subject, Bournemouth 
West Ham was the shortest game with 7 minutes 44 seconds extra and Newcastle Aston Villa incredibly 17 minutes 39 seconds extra played. The average length of games at the end of last season was just under 8 minutes extra. See how much it's, it's grown. And interestingly in the first weekend of this season five players got yellow cards for time wasting go back a year and there were none and we've had two games delayed for extraordinary reasons Uh, at one the electronic ticket system wouldn't work and they couldn't let anyone in and at Brentford would you believe it the water supply to the toilets malfunctioned and the game couldn't start until you got a plumber you couldn't make it up and congratulations to David Moyes becoming the third manager to manage a Premier League club in at least 20 different seasons following Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger and so this weekend there again will be games spread over four days including Tottenham at home to Manchester United and Manchester City at home to Newcastle on Saturday But only nine games, as Luton's home game with Burnley has been postponed, as Luton's Kenilworth Road ground is not ready for the Premier League as yet. Yes, a lot of renovations needed there. And Stuart, a big African presence on the opening weekend of the Premier League. Yes, Steve. If I have counted correctly, there were 51 African players in Premier League squads this season, and 33 of them were involved in the first weekend. There were big money signings making their first appearance, like Andre Onana, who kept that clean sheet for Manchester United, or Nicholas Jackson, who almost scored for Chelsea against Liverpool. The three promoted clubs have added to the numbers, with them having eight Africans uh, in their teams last weekend. Nottingham Forest had five. Uh, We've been used to them having a strong African presence with uh, Ola Aina, Serge Uri, Willie Bolly, Cheku. Kuwati and Taiwo Awani and it was Awani who scored their first goal in the Premier League this season. Simon Adringa from Cote d'Ivoire marked his debut with Brighton coming on as a substitute and scoring and Brentford's two goals were scored by players we're familiar with Cameroon's Brian Buemo and Congolese uh, Yuan Wissa. Mo Salah thought he had scored on the first day of the season as he has done for the previous six years, but VAR decided that his left ear or some other obscure body part was marginally offside. Really marginal call, but unlucky on him. And finally, Steve, I need to tell you about one Luton Town player who had a crazy day. Uh, He's Nigerian. His name is Fred Onyedinam. He's on loan at Rotherham United from Luton, And in two second half minutes, he scored, celebrated his goal too long and was shown a yellow card. Then he waved an imaginary card at the referee and was himself shown a second yellow card all within two minutes. Another indication, I think, of how many yellow cards we're going to see this season. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Nigeria's Fred Onyendima. Uh, he's with Rotherham on loan from Luton, an eventful game indeed for him. Okay, let's uh, talk about Harry Kane now and his move from Spurs to Bayern Munich finally happened a week ago. Uh, Kane deciding to take up the offer and to pursue winning trophies, having won none with Spurs. Here's his farewell on social media to the fans. 
Sad to be leaving a club I've spent nearly 20 years of my life at, from an 11-year-old boy to a 30-year-old man now. There's been so many great moments and special memories. I felt like this was the time to leave me and my family. We'll cherish it forever. We'll never forget all the moments we've had together. So thank you. Uh, I'll be watching this season. Good luck to Tottenham. Good luck to the whole club. So yeah, it's not a goodbye because you never know how things pan out in the future. But uh, it's a thank you and I'll see you soon. So that's uh, Harry Kane's goodbye on social media to the Tottenham fans. A good move, Stuart? Yeah, I mean, Harry Kane, in the end, decided to leave Tottenham. He'd made clear he was not going to sign another contract. Um, He said all the right things. He thanked the club uh, and spoke about his ambition to win trophies, including the Champions League, uh, feeling that that was something he couldn't do at Tottenham. You know, there'll be great sadness at his departure, but I think most Spurs fans will accept that Harry Kane has given their club great service over 14 years. He's a one-club player, apart from when he went on loan to get some experience early in his career. He scored 213 league goals in over 300 games for Tottenham and 280 goals in all games. Yes, well, I'm just wondering uh, whether Kane should have stayed in England to pursue that all-time top-scoring record. Asking on social media for your thoughts, uh, did Harry Kane make the right decision? So he took the offer to pursue winning trophies with Bayern Munich, uh, was unlikely to win uh, any with Spurs in the next season or two, uh, but he has sacrificed the chance to become the English Premier League's all-time top scorer, uh, 213 Premier League goals and needing 48 more to break Alan Shearer's record of 260. So what would you have done? Would you have gone for trophies if you were Harry Kane or maybe tried to achieve greatness by breaking a goal-scoring record that would surely last for many years? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Did Harry Kane make the right decision? Uh, will he be remembered for winning trophies at Bayern Munich? Would he have been remembered more for breaking the all time goal scoring record in the English Premier League? Uh, right, Stuart, besides Harry Kane, plenty of other transfer news to talk about. Well, the big transfer news of the week is Brighton's Moises Caicedo, 21-year-old Ecuadorian, who has signed for Chelsea for something in the region of $150 million, which seems an awful lot of money to me for a player who's 21 and only had one full season in the Premier League. He signed an eight-year contract, but that's all about Chelsea being able to spread the transfer fee over eight years for tax purposes. And Chelsea seem also on the brink of signing Romeo Lavia, a 19-year-old Belgian from Southampton, for about $70 million. And interestingly, both players were wanted by Liverpool, but chose to go to Chelsea instead. And incredibly, since the new owners took over Chelsea in June 2022, 23 new players have come in, and 24 have left. Yes, clever financial accounting at Chelsea to help them to navigate the financial fair play rules. And as Stuart, I mentioned Neymar's move to Saudi Arabia at the start of the programme. What does this do for his career, would you say? Neymar, without doubt, one of the most talented players of his generation, but he never quite made the impact at PSG that might have been expected. But as I've said before, the PSG team always looked a bit 
unbalanced with Messi, Neymar and Mbappé up front, but much less talent behind them. And speaking of Mbappé, we understand that the player and PSG have kissed and made up and that he will play out the last year of his contract in France before leaving on a free transfer at the end of the season, probably to Real Madrid. I reported last week that Robert Sanchez, the Brighton goalkeeper, had signed for Chelsea, and I said that it wouldn't surprise me if he became the number one. Well, it happened quite quickly, because when Real Madrid's Courtois suffered a serious injury, they signed Kepa, the previous Chelsea goalkeeper. And, incidentally, David De Gea, who chose to leave Manchester United at the end of his contract, was linked with Real Madrid, but he's still without a club. As well as Lavia, Southampton have lost James Ward-Prowse, who's gone to West Ham, reinforcing the point we've often made about how hard it is for relegated clubs to get back into the Premier League when they lose their best players. Last week, it was announced that West Ham and Manchester United had agreed terms for the transfer of Harry Maguire. But come Monday, there was Harry Maguire on the Manchester United bench and his manager saying that he wanted Maguire to stay. Not sure what's happening there. And another transfer which intrigued me was Arsenal signing David Rea, the Brentford goalkeeper, on loan. I mean, I have so many questions. Do they see him displacing Aaron Ramsdale as number one goalkeeper? If not, why would Raya sign for Arsenal to sit on the bench? And why would Brentford allow him to leave on loan rather than getting a transfer fee? Yes, intriguing. I'm sure that Raya will be fighting uh, for that uh, first-choice goalkeeper's jersey uh, at uh, Arsenal. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from East Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening. Enjoy the football this weekend. And a Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.